I have the privilege of um, sharing this morning, and I never ever take uh, these opportunities lightly. I'm always extremely grateful, extremely honored, and completely overwhelmed, and I feel like I'm completely out of my depth, um, and I'm nervous every time that I stand up here to preach, um, mainly because I understand the responsibility that comes with sharing the gospel. Um, and it's funny, you can be gifted in an area, but if you rely on your gifting, the moment your gifting fails, you feel like a failure. <laughs> and so I've learned not to rely on my gifting, and I'm, I'm learning more and more every single day to rely on Holy Spirit. And so today, everything that I share with you is coming from a journey, it's coming from a life of, of walking with, with the Lord. Um, and so every time I preach, I never want it to seem like I'm trying to tell you what you're doing wrong. That's never what I'm doing. What I'm sharing is what Jesus has got for us, uh, what he's speaking to me in my heart, and I want us to be equipped and refreshed and encouraged to seek him more intensely than we ever have before, to, to go after truth more than we ever, ever have before. So is that okay? Everybody ready to hear the word? Are you sure? Positive. Take your Bibles out or your phones or your iPads and turn to John chapter 17 and just keep your finger there. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that I'm just a, a laid down vessel that you can use, and I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're inside of me. You occupy every area of my life, and I just thank you that you would anoint my tongue right now just to speak only what you would wanna say and nothing else, and anything that's not of you, I thank you that it'll just fall away in Jesus' name. I just surrender, and I ask you to come and do something incredible this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm gonna throw a statement out and then I'm gonna explain it and then we're gonna talk about something awesome. And here's the statement. Don't make the message of Jesus your religion. Encounter the person of Jesus Christ and let him transform you from the inside out. Did you hear what I said? Don't make the message of Jesus your religion. So we talk about what that means quickly. This is what that means. If I'm making the message of Jesus my religion, so it's my discussion, it's something that I claim to believe in, it's something that I like to um, discuss with other people and, and put on other people. This is what happens. When I make the message of Jesus my religion, my life is fueled by discussion of the gospel rather than the voice of Holy Spirit. I work hard to keep myself convinced of the gospel rather than knowing the person of Holy Spirit. And my life doesn't produce the fruit of salvation and transformation. Instead, I produce frustration, confusion, doubt, and disappointment in the midst of professing faith. Did you hear what I said? Do you want me to go through that again? My life is fueled by discussion of the gospel rather than the voice of Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You'll probably find that this is somebody who likes to discuss about the gospel a lot, who likes to say a whole lot of stuff, but when you look at their life, there's not much demonstration, there's not much fruit. And so you find that these people are defined by the discussion of the gospel, but they don't actually know the voice of Holy Spirit. Do you understand? Secondly, you find that you're working so hard to keep yourself convinced of the gospel rather than knowing the person of Holy Spirit. Sometimes you can look at somebody and it really seems like they believe the most. They would, they, would, they, they would understand this thing completely. And if you don't see the fruit, if you don't see the fruit in their life, the demonstration of the gospel, it can be a complete act. It can be a complete mask, actually, where we're just trying to convince ourselves and trying to convince everybody else that we actually know what's going on. But the reality is the roots inside of us are dying. It's all about knowing Holy Spirit, okay? Then the last one, you'll find that they don't produce the fruit of salvation and transformation, you're not seeing a lifestyle that shows salvation. You're not seeing a lifestyle that, that produces uh, a picture of what transformation looks like. And instead, you start to see frustration, confusion, doubt, and disappointment, even though they're professing faith. Is that interesting? I thought that's quite interesting. This is what God was speaking to me about. But here's the, here's the positive side. 
When my life is surrendered to Jesus, my life is fueled by the voice of Holy Spirit and I am postured in humility and complete dependence in Him. I rest in knowing that Holy Spirit has full occupancy of my vessel and is keeping me in surrender as He transforms me. I think it's the most encouraging thing to know that it's actually His responsibility to keep me in surrender. I love that. All He asked was for me to just say, you can have all of me. And if I just remain in that place, He takes care of the rest. And there might even be areas in your life that you struggle to say yes to him. And he's like, don't worry about that. I'll actually become the yes within you. You'll find a boldness inside of you that you never even knew you had because you didn't. <laughs> you didn't have it. But then he came and made his home inside of you and all of a sudden it's there. Are you with me? Yeah. And the last one, uh, my life is producing the fruit of salvation and transformation because I am rooted in intimacy with the Lord and my life is anchored in knowing him. So there's a difference between somebody who's actually made the message of Jesus your religion and unfortunately, it, you're, you're no different to the rest of the world. But when you're somebody who's allowed the person of Jesus Christ to come in and change your heart from the inside out, you start to see something very beautiful. And, and I always say that if you, if you look at your own life and you're not seeing the fruit of salvation, ask the big questions. Not from a place of condemnation or a place of guilt, but ask the big questions that challenge you to the core because that's where Holy Spirit wants to operate. And so that brings me to what I want to share today. I wanna talk about the inner chamber. What is the inner chamber? You know, I think we are so um, preoccupied with trying to make sure that the outer expressions of our lives are changed. Sometimes even in our Christian walk, we are so preoccupied and, and we are so um, stuck on trying to make sure that, that the outward expression of my life looks like what I said it was. And we're trying so hard to make sure that we do the stuff because we feel like if we're not doing the stuff, something must be wrong. And so we start to wrestle and there's this internal battle that's going on. And that's the problem. If there's an internal battle going on, you probably find that your roots are not very healthy. Sometimes we are only allowing the gospel to actually change and transform the outward expressions of our lives to a certain extent, but it never lasts and it always, you'll always find that, that something happens that you stop doing it and then you're frustrated with yourself because something hasn't happened on the inside. And we forget that the highest priority of Holy Spirit, the very reason that he came was to form the nature of Christ from within you. This morning, what I want us to understand is that he wants to get right into the, your, the very core of your being. He wants to get right into your innermost being, and he wants to transform you from the inside out. He wants to get involved. He wants to become one with the very uh, inner details of your life that nobody else knows about. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he's made his home right at the core of your being. Your spirit and his, and his spirit have become one. And what I wanna talk about today is, is if we don't know him in the inner chamber, if we haven't shaped and designed our lives around cultivating a relationship with him in the inner chamber, then you'll always find that you live a mountain to valley lifestyle. And sometimes you have these highs with God because you're seeing a fruit in your life, but the moment that you stop producing fruit, all of a sudden you hit the ground because you're not actually sure of your purpose and your identity. If you don't know the voice of Holy Spirit, you'll find Christi the Christian walk and, and Christianity as a whole becomes seriously difficult. There's a voice above the noise that if we don't know it, we'll get stuck in the noise. There is a place in God where you can hear his voice and know his voice to such an extent that everything else sounds foreign. It is possible. <laughs> there is a place in God that you can live a lifestyle that, that reveals the gospel and that is not stuck in sin, that is not stuck in the, the same cycle in a repetition of the things that you once were stuck in. It is possible. Why would Jesus have gone through everything that he went through if it wasn't? You with me? 
So I've realized that in our Christian walk, we've neglected the spiritual disciplines that come with knowing Jesus. We've neglected spending time with Him. We think, and, and this is a big statement, but we have to be careful that we don't substitute fellowship with God with Bible study and prayer. We have to be careful that we don't substitute communion and, 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 and relationship with Jesus with God TV. We have to be careful that we don't substitute it with our prayer list or our prayer requests or the things that seem right. Do you know, one of the things I've realized, every single one of you will know this because it's happening worldwide and it's, it's happening in our community. There is more voices speaking into your life than ever before. There is more chaos. There is more uh, squeezing. There is more uh, nonsense that's coming into your lives than ever before. Have you ever asked yourself why? I was telling our, our young guys on, on Friday night at home group, I was just saying, I am more convinced now than ever that, that cell phones and social media are from the pit of hell. <laughs> Majority of people will fight me on that one, but I don't really care. I'll tell you why. Because inside of you is a desire to commune with somebody that you cannot see. Inside of you is a desire to have a relationship with God, though you don't see him right here. You were designed to actually have a relationship that's by faith. You were designed to actually have a relationship that is a complete trust that he hears you, knows you, and sees you, whether you see it in the physical or not. And so what happens is it's funny that over the last 20 years, as things start to get more hectic, I don't know about you, but if you look around the world, hurricanes are happening, earthquakes are happening, people are dying, stuff, stuff is crashing. And it's funny that over the last 20 years, suddenly this thing called a cell phone comes in and it begins to preoccupy everybody, and it fills your life with things that seem good and seem okay, and they might even be good or be okay, but they're not God. And so what happens is it takes your time, it steals the priorities of your life, and actually pulls you away from what we call intimacy with Jesus. And so suddenly when you've got spare time, the first thing that you do is grab your cell phone and, and scroll through your newsfeed or, or message somebody or whatever, and, and so much so that now the church and Christians have got sucked into this system where even with social media, we're putting up stuff to get likes to actually feel better about ourselves when our identity is in Jesus. Are you with me? This is what God's doing inside of me. He's challenging the very core of the things that we think are okay because I'm telling you now, majority of your life is filled with things that seem good. They seem like they're justified to be in your life. See, the devil's not stupid. <laughs> he knows that if he throws something at you that really looks dumb, you're probably not gonna do it. But what he does is he fills your life with things that would seem like they're the right things to do. And so you start to get preoccupied in all this stuff and they seem so justified in your life that you find it difficult to let this go to actually spend time with Jesus. And so there's this wrestle in your life because you know that you need him, but you, you know that I gotta pay the bills and I gotta do this and I've got all this stuff to do. And my life has been filled with a whole bunch of responsibilities that have actually preoccupied me. <clears throat> and you can sit here today and you can say, yeah, but we live in this world and so... What, what can we do? And, and majority of people are gonna look at me and say, it's because you're young and you haven't experienced stuff. And I just say, time will tell. Because I plan to live my life so yielded and surrendered to Holy Spirit. And I wanna grow every day closer to Him that my life in 20 years time is gonna be more radical than it was today. And you're all gonna look at it and say, that makes sense. That's what he was talking about. That's the desire of my heart. And guess what? I can't do it in my own strength, so I have a complete trust in His ability to do it. And that's the best place to be. But every single one of you can sit here today and hear what I'm saying and say, you know what, Connor, I hear you, but this is really difficult, man. How do I let this go? You know why? Because the devil's so clever. What he does is he tags on people to these responsibilities. And so you might actually have to upset someone to say no. You might have to actually tell your family that you've got to go spend a couple hours with Jesus. 
And it might actually seem like, gee, what kind of parent is that? What kind of father is that? What kind of mother is that? <laughs> Why? Because we've been shaped around a system that's actually not from heaven. It's been built by this world. And so all of a sudden, this system is filled with things that, that we think are so good and are so right, and, and actually it's just distractions. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to say no to something to say yes to something. You cannot have a positive without a negative. You know, a lot of the stuff that we've been preaching, you can say, why are you focusing on the negative so much? No, we're not focusing on the negative. We're making sure you understand what not to do so that you understand what to do. <laughs> we're making sure you understand what you're not so that you understand who you are. So that there's no confusion. So you can't have a positive without a negative. You need to know what you're saying no to before you understand what you're saying yes to. That's why we had to understand our need for a savior when we got saved. Majority of people who get saved without realizing and understanding that they actually deserve the wrath of God. You find that their salvation doesn't last very long and they find themselves right back into what they were doing because they don't understand what actually happened. Are you with me? I love you guys, eh? That's my granny. She's the best granny in the whole world. Oh. See, what we don't understand is that we are designed for intimacy with Jesus. We have been, we've been trained by a lie, and this lie is that you actually can do things on your own. We've been trained by this lie that, that actually you can live a life that actually uh, builds your own self-empire, and, and you can actually have authority over things, and you can actually uh, rule things and control things, and that you can actually have this life of comfort and luxury that you can control. And it's all a lie. And, and a lot of people are actually busting their hump to do this, and they're working so hard to, to establish that, and every time they're disappointed. And I'll tell you why, because outside of Jesus, when you do that, you start to put the, your purpose in the plan. And there's a difference between your purpose and the plan for your life. Do you understand that? If you put your purpose in the plan for your life, the moment that your plan seems to be a bit shaky or going south, suddenly you question your purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're, here's a good example. If you're a businessman and you tell me this morning that your purpose is to, is to run successful businesses and to start businesses and to do all this, I want to tell you it's a lie. Because the moment that the business doesn't work, suddenly you question your purpose. Suddenly you question whether you're actually right in what you're doing and now there's frustration and, and guilt and a whole bunch of stuff. Your purpose, every single one of your purpose right now I can tell you what it is. How many people want to know their purpose in life? How many people have been asking the question, what is my purpose in life? None of you. You're all incredible saints. Wow. Thank you, God. This is so for me. Every single one of you in this room, your purpose in life is to know God and make Him known. It is the very reason that you exist. But now you've just heard the statement that I've said, and none of you actually realize, and I include myself, what I've just said. To know Him and to make Him known. It sounds like a really great Christian statement that is really nice to put on your fridge or on your little calendar or a sticker on your car. But what I'm talking about is to know him and to make him known. I can't make him known unless I know him because whatever I'm making known that's outside of intimacy with Jesus is not him. And that's where majority of Christianity is and that's why we have such a bad representation of God and why everybody has something to say about God that's so negative. Because they're actually looking at you and that. Unbelievers are looking at believers and they're seeing you as a reflection of God. And so whatever you reflect to them is the way that they see God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So to know God and make him known is your purpose in life. 
And then he gives each one of you a plan. So let's say Andrew's plan is to be a CEO of a business, and that is the sphere of influence that God has given him to manifest heaven. But if tomorrow that was taken away from him, his purpose hasn't changed. Using it as an example. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because what happens when it crashes? If you don't know him here, if you don't understand your purpose, you get shaken. This is not what I want to talk about, but this is just a good thing to, to share. What does it mean to know him? What does it mean to have relationship with God? What does it mean to be one with him? You know, you look at marriage and you see you've got a husband and a wife that come together and they become one. And it's a picture, it's a, it's a reflection, it's a, it's, the, it's, a, it's a sign that points us towards the relationship that God has with his bride, the relationship that God has with you, the relationship that God has with his sons and daughters. It's supposed to be a symbol that teaches us and trains us how to actually relate to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's no wonder that, that, they've attacked, that the world has attacked marriage, that the world has attacked sexuality, that the world has attacked intimacy. Of course they have, because it's a picture of what we have with Jesus. It doesn't scare me, it doesn't frighten me, it helps me realize that we're in the end times. And I don't care if the end times is another thousand years, I don't really care how long it is, all I know is that uh, it's the end times for me, because I might only live to 80, or 30, or whatever, I don't really care. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what does it mean to be one with God? Here's the thing, majority of our Christian walks, we don't understand what that means, because this is how we live. We live to have a relationship with Jesus. We spend two hours with him, and I'm being generous. Most of us spend probably half an hour, but let's just say two hours. We spend two hours with God, and we, we pack ourselves with this, and we feel great. You walk out the door, and suddenly life gets hectic, things get crazy, and you kind of use that time with God as like a fuel tank to get through what you've got to go through. And then when you don't have that time, suddenly you go through the day and you feel dry and you feel empty and you're like, I should have spent time with God this morning. And oh man, it's because I'm not spending time with him in the secret place. And, I'm, and all this stuff starts to happen and you feel dry and you're living a life that's like this. And if you do spend time with God, suddenly you're a powerhouse. And when you don't, suddenly you're missing all these opportunities and, and you're just wrestling with all this stuff. Are you with me? You see what we've missed? We're treating ourselves like concubines. We're treating ourselves like we only get moments with him. <laughs> But he's called us to live in the inner courts of the king. He's called us to live in the throne room with him. And guess what? He's put his throne room inside of you. He's put himself right inside of you. So what he wants is that you actually have free access to him 24-7, 365, every single day. That you can face a situation and it can come at you and it can seem like it's come out of nowhere. But you can actually tap into heaven and access your relationship with Jesus because you live in oneness with him. And you can surrender and yield and say, Holy Spirit, speak. And suddenly he begins to move and you manifest heaven in the situation. If we don't understand what it means to live in oneness with God, we'll miss relationship completely. We'll miss it completely. <clears throat> there is no ways that we will ever be able to understand the ways of God or ever be able to actually communicate and learn the language of Holy Spirit if he's not one with us. That's why he died. That's why he put Holy Spirit inside of you. For majority of us today, the reason why we struggle to have relationship with him is because we actually haven't died. We actually haven't surrendered. We actually haven't, you know, I don't think a lot of us know what that even means. To surrender to Jesus doesn't mean, okay, God, you can have this part of my life or, or this area that I'm focused on right now. You can have that. He wants the whole thing. He wants every part of you. He wants to get into your soul. He wants to get into the inner chamber of who you are and change your reason for living and change your defaults and change your responses and change the way that you think. And he wants to change everything. 
there are, there are aspects within our lives that we don't even know need changing, and he wants to get in the mess with us. He wants to get in there and, and, and form the nature of Christ within us. It's the reason he came. You know, you read in Acts and you say, yeah, you know, Holy Spirit came uh, and, and we were filled with power from on high so that we could be witnesses. And that's 100% true. But do you know where the power comes from? The power comes from Holy Spirit being one with you and actually forming the nature of Christ within you. Because it's so much more than just being witnesses. It's not just about going out and telling everybody about him. It's about going out and becoming a picture of Christ, becoming a son that looks like Jesus, that they look at that and say, that's the reason that I was created. I was created to know him. And if they're not looking at our lives and seeing the depth of relationship that we have with God, then all they're seeing is a discussion and they're seeing a group of people that have made a message, their religion, and all of a sudden we look the same as the other religions and stuff. And that's why people can compare and get into debates. And you'll find that if you're one of those people that get into those debates, Ask yourself the big questions. I don't have to debate the thing. Why? Because I know him. You don't have to, I, I don't have to have a conversation about you as to whether he's real or not. I'll show you he's real. Watch my life over the next couple of days and you're going to see that I actually have a relationship with him. Jesus was the perfect example. And when I look at him and I see his life, I'm just blown away because here's God. Here's the Son of God himself. He's come down, he, he's put himself in the flesh, and he's actually, he's, he's modeled and he's become the example of what we get to walk in. And you find here's this guy who has it, he's 100% God in a, in a human form, but he's completely surrendered and yielded to Holy Spirit, and the only thing that he cares about is what his father's saying next. I honestly believe that we have come so far from the gospel and we have come so far from relationship and intimacy with Jesus that we do a whole bunch of stuff that we think is Christianity that it's, that's not. We do a whole bunch of stuff in our lives that we think is the right thing to do and we're missing what he's saying right now. We're missing what he's saying for you and for the person standing in front of you. Is this okay? You know, before we started preaching the, I don't like calling it the grace revolution or the grace message, but we, before we started understanding the gospel clearly, and majority of Christians took an aspect of, of the walk with the Lord, and, and I'm gonna call it the morning watch, but a quiet time or a devotional time. How many people remember that? That was taught, that was really pushed. And since we moved across to preaching grace and, and freedom, and, and hear, hear, don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what I am saying. Since we started preaching all of that, we've neglected stuff like that. We don't talk about devotional times. We don't talk about the morning watch. We don't talk about all of that. And, and for good reason, because it became religious. But here's, here's what I've realized. If he has my whole life, then he should have the first thing that I wake up to. <laughs> when I wake up, he should get the first hours of my time. Why? Because what I'm doing is I'm training myself to be aware of him. I'm training myself to host him well. And I'm learning to guard the deposit that's been entrusted to me. I'm learning to, to guard the relationship with the intimacy of my inner chamber. I'm, I'm, I'm spending the time with God alone behind shut doors where it's just me and him and he's forming the nature of Christ inside of me. He's shaping me, he's molding me, he's making me what he's called me to be. He's creating what I was uh, predestined to be. And as he begins to do that, I'm learning what that looks like. I'm learning the, the language of Holy Spirit and how to relate to people and how to handle situations. And when I open my door, I'm learning to open that door and walk out and protect what he's put inside of me. Because the, as soon as you walk out of that door, something's coming. And you'll probably find that it's from the people that are closest to you. Andrew Murray says something so interesting talking about that. And, and he says what he did was he got his family at the breakfast table to everybody had to come every morning and, tell, and share what Holy Spirit had told them. 
And he said what that did was it just protected the environment to host him well. And so instead of coming and sitting at the breakfast table and your wife's now kicking you under the table and shouting at you, or you didn't do this, or you didn't pick up that, or you didn't, and now you get into this whole thing and suddenly you're wrestling with, I'm trying to protect this and all this stuff's happening and now you just feel robbed. <laughs> you begin to learn how to protect that environment. And the more that you understand that Holy Spirit's not going anywhere, the more that you understand that he's inside of you and that he's not this little birdie on your shoulder that as soon as you upset him, he just flies away and disappears. Somebody preached that and I don't know where the heck they got that from. He's not a little birdie on your shoulder that whispers in your ear and then the moment you offend him, he disappears and waits for you to get your life right so that he can come back and speak to you again. He dealt with all your mistakes and problems and all the trash in your life and, and he didn't just come and live inside of you. Do you know that? He didn't just come and park himself in your life and then wait and give you little, he's not some little weak, timid God. He came and formed himself in you. He came and made himself one with you. Your spirit and his spirit have become one. He's not going anywhere. And when we learn that he's not going anywhere, when we learn that there's nothing I can do that can actually shake him, that he's not uh, afraid or, or worried about me making mistakes, he's actually there to form Christ in me so that I don't have to do that. When I learn to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, when I learn to, to speak the language of spirit, you have to understand that it's not, a, it's not a here, it's not flesh, it's not intellectual. You're not gonna hear him in the flesh like this. He might break into your world and speak audibly to you and hallelujah, amen, that's incredible. But do you know that the most intimate experience that you can have is actually his voice inside of you? Do you know that in the Old Testament, they didn't have God inside of them? Do you know that if God didn't break into their world and speak to them audibly, they would have missed him completely? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? And now we go into the New Testament where he's not just put himself inside of us, he's become one with us. He's inside of me, one with my spirit, crying out on my behalf, Abba, Father, this is your son. And not only that, but he's inside of me and he's shaping me and he's molding me and he's changing everything so that every step that I take is becoming more and more like him. And when I wake up tomorrow, I wanna be closer to him and more like him than I was today. And that is the only thing that I live for. And if I miss that, I miss the gospel. If I'm so preoccupied with everything else and I'm missing intimacy with Jesus, then the whole thing is pointless. You with me? Yeah, come on. I had something to say just now, and I went off on this thing. I forgot what it was, but anyway. I need to take you to John 17. There's so much more that I could share about this, but I'm just gonna move to John chapter 17. Let's look at this chapter. This, for me, has smacked me right in my heart over the last couple of days. And I've read this before, and for some reason this week, this thing just came alive. What's happened here is Jesus is about to walk into the betrayal. He's about to walk into the garden where Judas is gonna come, they're gonna take him, and he's gonna go and get killed, and he knows what's coming. He's, very, he's completely aware. He knows what's about to happen. He's prepared his heart, uh, and he knows what's, what he's about to do. So you're with me? So that's the context of what you're about to read. This is the last time that the disciples get to hear him pray publicly, okay? And to me, this is the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord's prayer, because <laughs> he prayed it. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him um, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. When you read this, this is, this is what he's put inside of you. This is the nature that's inside of you. Picture yourself praying this. This should be the prayer of our lives. Listen to what he says. I glorified you on earth, 
having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is the only thing he was concerned about. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus understands. His Holy Spirit has, has revealed all truth to him. He, he, he knows that he, was, that he was there before the foundations of the world. You can imagine he's taken on human form. Holy Spirit had to teach him this stuff. Holy Spirit had to remind him about all of that. And now he's in this place where he sees the big picture. Holy Spirit has formed it inside of him and he looks at it and he says, I know what I've got to do. I know that I was there in the beginning. I know what I'm a part of. I know who I am. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. Let's go to uh, verse six. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you gave me a sphere of influence. And I manifested your name to those that you gave me. Every single one of you have been given a sphere of influence. And, and I want to get stand before Jesus. And my prayer is, Lord, I manifested your name to all of those that you gave me. I've been given people that you'll never get. You've been given people that I'll never reach. How beautiful is this? This gets me, man. Yours they were and you gave them to me. This is Jesus speaking, man. Come on. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. How beautiful is that? And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So much in that, but let's move on. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And not for their sake, sorry, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Can you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I pray that, that they would be one just as we are one so that the world would look at them and actually see me and understand why I was sent. Do you understand your reason for existence? Do you understand why this, this temple that God's given us to host him is so important? Do you understand that if we don't cultivate a relationship with him from inside, there's no point? This is what he died for. This is the last prayer. This is what he's saying, Father, this is what you, this is what you want. This is what I came to do. I've come to make them one. I've come to make them one just as I am one with you so that the world can look at them and see me so that they can live in what I live in, so that they can live in community and relationship and union with God. It's what you were created for. It's what you're gonna spend eternity doing. If you miss it now, it's gonna seem foreign when you arrive. I wanna get to heaven and feel completely at home and say, God, I've lived one with you. I know this. Now I get to see you in the flesh, right in, in person, face to face, the very God that I was given the opportunity to choose to love. He's given me an opportunity to choose to love him. Do you know that you get to choose 
The moment that you take choice out of a relationship, it's no longer a relationship. We have to understand that every single day I am presented with an opportunity to choose him. Now, yes, he chose me first, and yes, he loved me first. I'm aware of that. But my response to him is that I get to choose him. From verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Listen to how many times he's talking about this. He keeps repeating it. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Ha! Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And, though, and these know you that you have sent me. I made no, known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You gotta read this and you gotta understand that he's about to walk to the cross. He's about to walk in and do the very thing that's gonna make this your reality. He didn't pay for some intellectual faith. He paid for a spiritual reality for every single one of you. And he's praying here and he's saying, God, would you make them one as we are one so that they can demonstrate the love of God so that all the lost sons and daughters that you have given me would come to know me. He wants to use you. What we miss is that we, we look at the being used part and we say, I wanna be used by God, but we miss the fact that it's relationship. It's oneness with him, it's intimacy. You know, when people ask me how I would describe intimacy, I say it's a oneness beyond words. I'm not married, but for those of you who are married, I can imagine that that covenant that you've made, there is no way to put that into words. You can try and you can, and, and, and the world has tried and they've tried to corrupt it and pollute it, but there is no way for you to, to fully communicate what's actually happened. You've become one. And, and I, I don't believe that it's my responsibility to try and intellectually prove to you what's actually happened inside of me. You know, I, um, Zara's been, she got saved in the church and she's been going through an incredible couple of weeks and just growing and, and we've been discipling her. And you know what I love about her is that she has the questions because she wants understanding. But she, her, her relationship with the Lord and, and the fact that she knows God has never been shaken, even in the big questions. And that's what I love. Just sitting with her and talking through stuff, she, she knows he's real. She doesn't have, nobody has to prove that to her. And that's for every single one of us. I don't have to prove my relationship with Jesus. My life will scream it at you. We've got to understand that, that we've been given the responsibility to God and protect and nurture and cultivate and, and look after this relationship that he's, that he's given us. It's the only thing that matters. Why? Because he's taking care of everything else. If it's not about choosing him, then, then this is no relationship at all. Then every single one of us would just be Jesus robots. Do you hear me? If it wasn't about choice, there's no point. So what he's done is that this time that we have on the earth, this time that we have on the earth is, is, is an opportunity to choose him, though we don't see him right now. We love him, though we don't see him, we love him. Why? Because I know him. I get to know him and have a relationship with him and live by faith while I'm here on the earth so that when I get to heaven and I see him face to face, I already know him. And I've seen him just maybe not with these eyes. And maybe 
you experience something incredible and you do see him with your physical eyes. And that's beautiful. And I'm not saying God can't do that. But it's so much more than that. And I'll tell you why and I'll wrap up with this. People look at, at let's use Paul as an example in the Bible and, and, and there's a couple other guys and they're having these incredible encounters with God. Getting knocked off a horse and blind for three days and then healed and then filled with Holy Spirit. And, and imagine being there at Pentecost when Holy Spirit fell and, and it's incredible encounters, right? And most of us, and most of Christians West, in the West seem to say, you know, if I, if I just have one of those moments, I'd live for Jesus. I'd live all out. It would be so much easier to just go all out for Jesus. I say, that's absolutely rubbish. Why? Because I, I was somebody who said that. And then all of a sudden, I look back on my life and I realize that I've had five or six of those kind of moments. We have, we have those moments in our lives. And what we don't realize is that that's not what sustains you. That's what encourages you. Those moments of encounter with God are encouragements to say, I'm here, buddy. I love you. I'm with you. But you know what's, what, what carries us and what sustains us while we're here on this earth? It's relationship with Jesus every single day. To have, to have relationship with Jesus every single day is a 24-7 encounter with him. It never ends because he never leaves. He is... He is his sole reason for being inside of you is to be one with you and to know you. And he's there every moment of every single day. He never pulls back. He never withdraws. He never changes. He's constant and he remains there. And he's waiting for you to actually turn your affection and your attention to him and say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I've given you everything. Do you know that that's what you did when you got saved? You've got to understand that. He's not asking you to remake a decision. <laughs> He's asking you to stick with what you chose. <laughs> He's asking you to actually wake up and say, I chose, whether it was 30 years ago, whether it was yesterday, I chose to give my whole life to Jesus. And so today I'm yours. Holy Spirit, keep me aware. And every day, if that's the posture of my heart, I know him more. What's gonna sustain you in your walk with Jesus is the fact that you actually believe and that, actually, that you know him. And the only way that you know him is if you believe that he's actually there and wants to be known and wants to know you. <laughs> The whole thing is by faith, and I've preached on that. You can go back and listen to it, but if we miss it, we miss the whole thing. Jesus is saying here, he's, he, he, he's made us one just as he is one so that the world would know why he was sent and would know that God loves every single one of us and all the lost sons and daughters just as much as he loves Jesus. That's the, that's the gospel, and, and he's asked you to go and be a representation of that. He's put the ring on your finger. He's put the robe on you. He's, he's put new sandals on your feet. And he said, I'm sending you. Just as I was sent into the world, I'm sending you to go and represent, to go and, and be an ambassador of heaven, to go and, and carry my nature and carry my spirit and, and make known to the rest of the world who I am and how much I love them. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. And so I wanna encourage every single one of you to actually begin to cultivate, begin to, to practice, begin to spend time, begin to set aside time for, for you in the quiet space, in the, in the inner chambers of your, of your innermost being with God. And it helps to be in a, in a room and close the doors. <laughs> it helps because it just shuts out the rest of the distractions and it, it gives you, and, and here's what I wanna tell you. You can sit here today and say, you know, I, I'm trying, man. I just don't have time for that. Make time. There is no excuse. This is a life or death situation. And I'm not talking about physically dying. I'm talking about eternity. <laughs> I want to know him. And I'm not going to allow things that seem like they can be justified in my life take away from me knowing God. I realize that busyness is, busyness is, is the same as business. 
So be careful that the business of your life doesn't make you so busy that you don't actually have time for Jesus. If that's the case, then go back and give your life to him. Are you encouraged? I really do try to encourage and, and to love you the way that he loves you and to communicate that as best I can because sometimes my dad and I are passionate people and so we get passionate because it's burning inside of us. It's like a raging fire. And so if you don't understand the fire, it can seem a little intimidating. And so together we've been praying and saying, Holy Spirit, would you help us to communicate this fire in such love and in such tenderness and gentleness that it actually captivates your heart and flips you upside down, kicks you out the boat and sends you sprinting on the water. You know, I really want to honor this man because he's chosen to put his flag in the ground and preach truth no matter what. And the reason why he's preaching truth is because he's actually in love with you. And I'm not puffing him up and I'm not whatever, I'm, I'm his son and I know more than anybody else his weaknesses, but what I, what I see is a man who's contending for every single one of you. And you don't see it because you're not here in the week, but I see it because I'm here. And I watch him fight and I watch him contend for this house. And so I wanna honor him. And I wanna encourage you that, that what he's fighting for, let's make it worth it. Not just him, what Jesus paid for. What every single one of us are contending for in our lives, make it worth it. Make it real. If it's not real, it's pointless. And I promise you now, your life outside of Jesus, you're going to get swept away. You're going to get smacked. And you might even get smacked as a billionaire. Because you can look at the world and see success, but the reality is you look at their life and you see people completely lost that have no sense of hope. But you have hope. You have the answer because you have him. And so this house is a house of the lovers of God. This house is a house full of sons and daughters that need to know him and make him known. It's what you live for. It's your reason for existence. And your gifting is secondary to that. The plan in your life is secondary to that. Your purpose comes first. It's the very foundation of your life. So um, I was, everybody all right? Good. I was um, listening to a song in a week and it just wrecked me because it's just simply about what we're talking about today. And it's actually just about our our hearts being an open space for him to come and do what he wants to do. And what I wanna encourage you is I'm gonna play this song and I actually wanna give time for us to just actually meet with him. Heart to heart, face to face, deep to deep, spirit to spirit. And, and you're not waiting for him to come. Please, you've just heard what I said. You're not waiting for him to come. You're not, you're not trying to you know, summon Holy Spirit. He's right inside of you. He's one with you. You might even find that when he talks to you, it sounds like you. Do you know that he loves that? That's what he wants. He loves you so much that he's become one with you so that when he speaks, it actually sounds a bit like you. It's the most intimate experience that you can have, the voice of God within you. How many people want to experience that today? I want to experience that. So I think what we're going to do is we'll, we'll play this song and, and you know, we'll, we don't close services. So if you, if you have to run off or whatever, welcome to do that. Go and get coffee. But we want to create the environment for us to encounter Jesus and to... to to go into the inner chambers of our soul, to go into the inner chambers of our spirit and actually be one with him and commune with God. So we're gonna play that song and then afterwards, um, Luke, will, you can play that pad or something in the background. And if you just wanna just linger and just spend time with him and you do that. Um, and then if there are people here who haven't given their life to Jesus, it's the first thing I think of because of evangelist heart. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, please come up, let's, give, let's do it. It's a response, um, and I'll make sure that you understand what you're doing, but let's do it. And, and other things, is if there's healing and if there's um, just stuff that you're processing or stuff inside that you just want prayer for, you feel like you just want ministry, um, we've got leaders and we've got a ministry team um, that'll be up here um, 
to pray for you. Um, so please feel free to come up. But I, I want to encourage you to find a space. I don't care if you have to go and lie on the floor or find a little corner or whatever. Just Let's just open our hearts and be an open space for him to come and do what he wants to do. Is that okay? Can I pray quickly? Do you want to stand? Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you're one with me. That you're not far away. You're not a distant God. You're, you're inside of me. You're one with me. And I can't, even, I can't even fully understand that. I can't even fully comprehend that. But it blows me away, the goodness and the love that you have for me, that you would do that. I pray right now that every single person in this room would not experience an intellectual faith would not be a people that make a message their religion, but would actually surrender their hearts, their whole lives to you, Lord Jesus, that there would be a people so possessed by your Holy Spirit, so made one with you, that they would know you, that they would have a relationship with you, Lord. God, we don't want to be a people that are about discussion. We want to be a people that naturally demonstrate heaven because you're inside of us. We want to be a bride. We want to be the bride that you've called us to be. Not just beautiful on the outside, but so beautiful on the inside that we begin to represent you by nature. So Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person in this room right now. And for those of us who maybe have, we've been a Christian maybe even for a long time, but we've never actually walked in that secret place with God. We've never actually experienced the secret place with you. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken your love within them, God, that you would draw them to a place of surrender, a place of intimacy, a place of oneness, God. And I pray for those that maybe have experienced that before and maybe have been a little distant and have neglected that time with you, Lord God, and have, have maybe distanced themselves without even knowing, Lord. Father, I thank you that you are drawing us right to that place, Lord Jesus, right to our knees in the throne room of heaven where we surrender to you and we just allow your Holy Spirit to make us, to make the, our reality uh, our, our daily reality the same as what you've done inside of us, God. And so I just thank you for that. And I pray right now that every single person that, that's here today as we go out into the week, that this would be a week of, of incredible encounters uh, with you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would meet with us in a way that we've never had before. And that every single one of us, there'd be a desire in our heart to go into the inner chamber, to shut the door and to be one-on-one with you. And not to come to you with our lists and our requests and our routines and our, the things that would seem right, but to come to you wanting to know you more when we read the word to be transformed by who you are, to read it and for it to become life inside of us. I thank you that this is not some club, this is not some routine or mundane thing, Lord Jesus. This is life itself, Lord God. This is the bride, this is the very picture of heaven on earth. So God, I'm, I'm so in love with you and I, I'm so grateful that you wanna know me like this. And even just as we listen to this song, God, I thank you that you would just unlock people's hearts. You know the keys to every single heart, Lord God, even the ones that we don't see or we don't know or sometimes we can't find them. You have the keys, Lord God, and you're unlocking them.